Welcome to Pulse Practice Management, where we discuss everything from billing to practice management and all things in between. We're your hosts, Sunny and Natalie, and we're here to help you keep your eye on the pulse of your practice. So Natalie, what is today? Well, I love doing these. There's a couple of things to celebrate today, and one of them is National Pasta Day. That's a good one. I love pasta. I love pasta too. I love pasta. I could eat pasta every day. Ben made the best pasta last week. We bought it at Costco and it was ravioli with goat cheese. Oh, yummy. And he made a butter herb sauce to go oh. on it. It was delicious. It was so that Sounds delicious. I want to make my own pasta. Oh, we've like, done that. So I need the attachment for my um, KitchenAid mixer. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to do that. Yeah, we have a pasta machine where you make it and yeah. you roll it out and it's really fun, but oh yeah. my gosh, it's a job. I know it is. It's just easier to buy it, Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. We've been doing a lot of pasta dishes lately and I love it, but my midsection probably does not, <laughs> <laughs> but whatever, whatever, <laughs> but it's also national clean your virtual desktop day. That is a good one. I need to do that. So I try to keep my desktop pretty clean and organized. So I have, I make sure I make folders for things. Um, I go through every couple of weeks and delete stuff that I've saved to my desktop for my work, for my, my work desktop. I stay on top of that. And I really do try to keep it organized. I try to do the same thing with my personal desktop. I um, honestly don't use my computer that much, so it's not bad. Um, I tried, it's actually looking at it, it's pretty blank. So anyway, we should probably move on because we got something fun to talk about today. We do. One of our favorite subjects. I don't know really if it's fun. Is it fun? I mean, it's fun to talk about because it's like, wow, this can happen. Right. It's not really fun to be involved with. Exactly. On either side, if it's happened to you or if you heard the, the criminal. Right. So that's a little foreshadowing what we're talking about. So we love a true crime podcast just as much as you probably do. So we're going to dive into some medical office crimes today which won't be nearly as entertaining as some of the true crime podcasts, but we do hope it's educational. That's right. We hope you learn something. We learn something. If nothing else, it's a good reminder to keep your eyes open regarding what's going on around you. Absolutely. We'll start with practice crimes, not practice as in we're practicing crimes, but your medical practice crimes. And Probably what most people would think is on the low end of those, but really is serious is your HIPAA violations. Mm, so true. And that is, that, those are one of the easiest things to kind of, to break, right? Right. I would imagine they're broken multiple times a day, every day Everywhere. in most offices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So what are some of those? So sharing medical information to people other than the patient? Yes. Sharing personal information like their address, their appointment times. If a spouse calls and says, what time is my wife's appointment? You're not allowed to give that unless that person is on the release. But it's real easy to do. 
So you have to be aware of that. So I actually had something that happened recently. I feel like the doctor's office committed a HIPAA violation. So I was home, my phone rings and it's the dermatologist's office that my kids go to. So I was like, Oh, weird. Now they're both were 18 or older. And it was somebody from the dermatologist confirming my mom's appointment. Oh, I was like, huh? And then they're like, yeah, she, um, just called to confirm her appointment on blah, 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 blah at blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, okay. I'll, um, I'll, I'll tell her that you called and he said, okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and confirm the appointment. And I said, no, if you can't get in touch with her, then I will tell her to call you. She can confirm her own appointment, but what? How did that happen? Okay. I don't know. So I called my mom. So I was thinking, well, surely they called her first. Why, why would they call me? I've never even been to the dermatologist with my mom before. Like, why would they have any of my information? Unless she gave it to them and said, Hey, it's okay to release information to my daughter. I don't think that she did that though. Um, <laughs> maybe she did. So I called her and I was like, Hey, your dermatologist just called me to confirm your appointment. She said, what? First of all, they weren't even supposed to make me an appointment because I'm not home. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know. You need to call them then because it was a Friday and they were calling to confirm for that Monday and they closed early on Friday. So I said, I don't want you to get charged like a no-show fee because he made it clear that there was a no-show fee. Anyway, so she was like, why would they call you? I said, I have, I have no idea. So she did call them. Of course, they didn't answer. So she left them a message. She said, look. I didn't make this appointment. I told you that I wasn't going to be in town and that I would call and schedule this appointment. And why did you call my daughter to confirm my appointment? She doesn't make my schedule. So I don't know what happened with that, but how, what? That was just so weird. That's strange. Yeah. That's really strange. Well, my dad had surgery a month or so ago. And I was back in the pre-op room with him and the nurse came in to get his history and take his blood pressure and do all of that. And I was sitting behind her at the computer. She's in a woman's chart and she was asking him questions. And I said, you're in the wrong chart. And she said, oh, I know. I was just looking at something. It's like, no, you didn't know because I'm watching you. And not only is that bad for his care, but I just saw this woman's medical history. That is so bad. It is so bad. I mean, first clue, first clue is there's there's a a picture. Yes. There's a man in this bed and his name is not Susie Q. (laughs) Right. Right. First clue. Right. And the woman's picture was up in the left-hand corner. I could see it. Oh my word. Wow. Not cool. No. So if you see anything in your office where you see a coworker innocently breaking some HIPAA violations, you should speak up and let them know. Absolutely. And that goes for like leaving a chart open when you leave the room. Say, say you are a nurse and you've put some, your patient in the room and then you, you step out to let the doctor know that you're there or that the patient is ready. You need to close out. Yes. Have anything up on your computer screen? Nothing. Black screen. Yep. And it's easy to forget, but it should be just kind of like the steps that you go through um, as you are entering a room or leaving a room. Just have like this routine, but that should be number one. Don't leave, don't leave charts open. Right. 
If you're working at the front desk and you need to go to the restroom or you need to go back into an exam room for something, close your system out, lock it so no one can get in. Just make it a practice to do that. So something else that would be a HIPAA violation is sharing billing information. Yes. Like you were talking about with your daughters, they're over 18. A lot of offices have the parents as guarantors on their children's accounts. And those children turn 18. And next thing you know, they're 29 and the parents are still listed. It's really important to get that information updated and remove them. And I would be mad if, if my doctor called one of my kids and like, Hey, I want to confirm your mom's appointment. I would be mad if my doctor called my husband to confirm my appointment. First of all, that's none of your business. Right. Yeah. So anything like that, there are HIPAA violations and are easily, easily violated. Like we said, it probably happens every day in every office. I'm sure it does. We could do a whole episode on this. We should. This is something that we talk about a lot. So we do talk about it a lot. Yeah. So it feels like, have we done an episode on this? But no, but we talk about a lot because it's super, super, super important. I I worked in an office where um, someone didn't believe that HIPAA was real. Just kind of backtracking a little bit, um, talking about penalties for violating HIPAA. Um, I just consulted the Goog and it says doctors found guilty of breaching patient privacy may face fines ranging from hundreds to thousands of dollars, depending on the intention, the extent of the violation and the corrective actions taken. In some cases, they can even face criminal charges and imprisonment. Wow. So it's serious. It's very serious. Um, well, let's get on to some other serious medical office crimes. And yes. I think we have, we'll start off with this one because it's a little different from just straight up billing or coding, you know, things that <laughs> things that we do for our company. So it's a little different, but it's interesting, right? So it's very interesting, probably one of the, I guess a, a crime that you think of a crime that you're going to think of when you think of like medical office crimes. Cause I think in the back of our heads, we really don't think of billing coding, um, you know, incorrect, incorrectly or fraudulently as crimes, which they are and come with hefty, hefty penalties. Um, I think we first think about things that providers or nurses do that affect a patient, a patient negatively. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also like, for instance, this nurse who stole controlled substances from her employer, she was stealing them all fentanyl, morphine, Mm -hmm. hydromorphone and hydrocodone. Yeah. So she entered a guilty plea to one count of acquiring a controlled substance by means of misinterpretation, fraud, deception, and subterfuge and one count of false statements relating to healthcare matters. What amazes me every time I hear a story like this is you went to nursing school. You worked hard to get that degree and to get that certification and to get that job. And you were helping people. Why do you risk it all to do this? Well, because they don't think they're going to get caught. Oh, that must be it. (laughs) Right? Isn't that why why people do, not why people do any crimes, but when people do crimes, they think, oh, I'm not going to get caught. Right? Right. If people really thought they might get caught. They, the crime rate might drop. Right. Okay. So this is like one reason why we're doing this, right? So just to let you know, you can get caught. (laughs) (laughs) 
you probably will get caught eventually. Yeah. Yeah. So this lady, um, she admitted that she was, that she diverted the controlled substances that were supposed to be dispensed to patients for her own personal use by falsifying documents, including the admission of information on required log entries, tracking the disbursement of, of controlled substances. Um, she's out on bond right now, pending sentencing, pending sentencing, but she faces a possible maximum sentence of five years imprisonment and a $250,000 fine and a year of supervised release following imprisonment. Is it worth it? No, no, not to me. No, not to me either. And my first thought was she's selling it, but maybe if she was addicted, the addiction drives you to do that. Right. And yeah. And I don't know. Um, you know, I'm getting this, I got this information from the OIG website. You can look up anything on there. So all of the cases that we're talking about, um, I'm, we got them from that website. Um, so yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot more information on that. So, I don't know her background. Um, it's unfortunate and I hate that for her. Um, I hate it for the patients who yeah. were supposed to be getting the medication that they needed. Um, but just be good people, be good people. But this is something that was intentional, right? So, yes. um, like we talked about the HIPAA violations uh, a few minutes ago, and most of the time those are not intentional, but this was intentional. Okay. What else have we got? What about some garage crimes? I love garage crimes. So what kind of garage crimes are related to medical? I mean, let me say, I don't love them. <laughs> are you participating in garage crimes and you didn't tell me? Here I am saying, keep an eye on your coworkers. <laughs> no, that's not what I mean. I just find it fascinating, right? I do too. It's just, it's just fascinating. Mm-hmm. Just, I don't know. What are people thinking? What are people thinking? Okay. Garage crimes. Who are we talking about now? Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. So you hear about garage crimes every once in a while, like a dentist in Phoenix was seeing patients in his garage doing crowns and fillings and all sorts of dental work. And it turns out he was not a licensed dentist anyway. Well, first clue should have been, he was working out of his garage. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah. First clue. First clue. Oh, come to my storage unit. You have some crowns. Which is really sad because people probably do that because they can't <laughs> afford to go to a real dentist. Probably. And they need the work. And now I'm sad. Oh, well, I feel like that's where our healthcare system has failed, but we will leave that at that. We will not talk. That's not what we're talking about today. No, but I agree with you. But my storage unit is clean. So come on over and, and we'll get you some cosmetic dental string. Maybe some butt implants while you're there. I was going to say butt implants. <laughs> Don't go to anyone's storage unit, garage, or foreign country for butt lift. Or, or the implants. kitchen. Yeah, yeah, just anywhere. Okay, so this dude was getting Botox um, from, hold on, let me look at this. Mexico. Yeah, he he had this these Botox injections smuggled. They were unapproved drugs. Okay. So they're unapproved smuggled into the United States from Mexico using them for like for Botox and lip fillers on, on people. And well, of course on people, I mean, who else are you going to do lip fillers? on? <laughs> <Look kinda laughs> funny. I think my dog used to look kind of funny with lip fillers. <laughs> okay. Oh, <my> <laughs> Sorry. You know, I would be 
freaked out if I had gone to this doctor and found out that the Botox or the lip injections or whatever that he had used on me had not been approved. I, I would be just, I, I don't know. I, I'd be like, oh my God. I mean, hopefully nothing bad happened to these people. It doesn't say in this case that, that anything bad happened. I think the whole point was he probably got it super duper duper inexpensively. Right. He was making like a big profit on it. Yeah. I mean, this is not necessarily a garage crime. To me, this is even worse because he was practicing out of a medical office to where if you or I went in there, we would think that it was above board, legit, and I was getting real Botox and he was not. So that's even scarier than a garage crime to me. Yeah. Super, super duper shady. Um, Let's see. I think this is still under investigation, but um, he did acknowledge that he received over $100,000 in gross receipts for almost four years of cosmetic services performed with unapproved drugs and devices. Part of his plea agreement, he agreed to forfeit that amount and to pay a fine of $201,000 and pay restitution to victims of his offense. Did he um, lose his medical license? I'm looking to see. Oh, he's still, he, sentencing is set for November of this year. So he does face a maximum penalty, one year in prison, fine of $100,000. He is possibly facing prison time, um, but uh, his sentencing hasn't happened yet. So, But only one year. Only one year. That, that's injecting surprising. something in yeah. people that could possibly be super dangerous. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, research your Botox, people. Right. How can you prevent that, though? Yeah. To a reputable doctor? We don't know if he was reputable or not. I know. How do you prevent that? Do you say, what are your sources? Where did you source your Botox? (laughs) Ask for receipts. Yes. That's the, that's the secret here. Show me the receipts. So what about insurance company crimes? That is something that you typically don't think about in medical practice, hospital, physicians, crimes being committed. But we have an example of one that's pretty shocking. Yeah, you don't think of insurance companies as being the ones to commit the crimes, to be the fraudulent party, right? Correct. But Martin's point proved us wrong. They were filing false claims somewhat, and they were fined $22,485,000 for doing so. $22 million. That is a lot of money. So what they were doing is Medicare Advantage plans are paid a per person amount from Medicare to provide benefits for these patients. So what was Martin's point doing? I don't know, but I wonder how like this, how did this plan hatch? Who came up with this? Who said board meeting in the boardroom three o'clock today? Everybody be there. I have an idea. (laughs) Here's the plan. This is what we're going to do. Like, did that happen? I want to know, like, how did this happen? Who was it? How did the plan come about? And were many people on board? I don't know. I mean, how many people were on board? What mastermind hatched this plan? And how did the people that worked under them... Did they know? Well, at least one person did. The civil settlement includes the resolution of claims brought under the key TAM or whistleblower provisions of the False Claims Act by Alicia Wilbur, a former manager in Martin's Point's Risk Adjustment Operations Group. So she was the whistleblower. She She was the whistleblower. Hey, there's some shady stuff happening here. Just want to let you know. 
So under those provisions, a private party can file an action on behalf of the United States and receive a portion of any recovery. As part of today's resolution, the whistleblower will receive approximate as part of today's resolution, the whistleblower will receive approximately three point eight million dollars. I'll blow a whistle. <laughs> I would blow a whistle for three point eight million. All right. Whoa. Oh my gosh. Can so, you that? It looks like what they were doing is adding diagnosis codes to patients' charts to put them at a higher risk score, therefore collecting more money for covering those patients, for insuring them. Incredible. Just unbelievable. I'd be so mad if I found out that some insurance company was falsely adding some diagnosis codes that I didn't have. Mm. It's very bad. That's very bad. I would be so mad about that. So let's talk about this. Okay. We joked about we would blow the whistle for 3.8 million. If you're in a company and you see something like this going on, how do you handle that? That's especially if it's everyone above you that has power over you. You depend on your paycheck. You depend on your benefits. It's scary to do anything about that. So I applaud this lady because she was like, you know what? This is important and people need to know this is wrong. This is wrong and it needs to stop. So good for her for being brave and doing that. Very much good for her because I'm sure it was scary. Yeah, she'd be fine. She'd get $3.8 million. Is that taxed? Just want to know. know. It's a good question. <laughs> like it's already coming from the government. So they shouldn't take any money. You never know what people are going to do. She could have been risking her life. Exactly. Super brave. Very brave of her. I don't think that she did that to be malicious, you know, to blow the whistle on her company that she worked for. But she really felt like, you know, I feel like this is wrong. And I think there needs to be an investigation. And that probably needs to happen more. It does. I'm sure. I'm sure there's a lot. I mean, how many times we've had several cases locally here of Medicare and Medicaid fraud that people were stealing millions of dollars filing claims for patients that weren't even seen. And someone had to do that. Someone either had to file the claim or receive the payment, work the account. Were the providers doing it all themselves? I mean, these are several different unrelated people. Well, we'll get to that in a minute where the providers don't know all themselves because sometimes no. So next, let's talk about nurse crimes. We referenced one earlier, the lady that was stealing the medications, but what do you have now? Um, So this lady was arrested for um, impersonating a nurse. So, wow. Let's That's see. scary. Okay. So this one's a little all over the place. So apparently this lady was impersonating a nurse. So she wasn't actually a nurse. She was pretending to be a nurse. That's what impersonating means in case you didn't know. Um, She impersonated a nurse from January of 2017 through December 2019 and performed work she was not qualified to do at multiple home health companies. Also, she was alleged to have obtained employment as a nurse trainer in the federally funded Job Corps program and was assigned to train future nurses. What? So she wasn't actually a nurse. How did all of this happen? I have no idea. But I guess in her time impersonating a nurse, she was seeing patients who were Medicare, Medicaid patients. Um, so basically this woman was not a nurse. 
And she was pretending to be a nurse and seeing patients. And I guess that qualifies as like when you're billing the insurance for her home health care that she provided as a nurse, that does qualify as falsely um, submitting claims for these charges. But, okay. but here's my concern. Okay. I feel like if I go to McDonald's today to apply for a job, they're going to ask for some references. And I'm thinking that they would check those references. Now, Granted, I don't have credentials to cook hamburgers, but let's say you needed them. I feel like they would check those credentials. Why is someone hiring a nurse and not checking their education or credentials to make sure they're licensed to teach other nurses? Yes, one would hope that these checking on the credentials would happen. Apparently it did not here unless she faked it somehow. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the whole backstory here. Well, her charges for making false statements related to healthcare matters and aggravated identity theft. <gasps> Wait a minute. Was she, did she steal somebody's identity? I mean. Maybe she did. Wow. Well, this lady <laughs> just, was using someone else's name. Wow. She was deep, man. She was. She was like, I'm going to be a nurse, but I don't want to go to the nursing school. So I'm just going to steal this person's identity. Who has time for all that? What's the matter? I can just Google it. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. So she faces up to five years in federal prison, as well as a possible $250,000 maximum fine for each of the false statement charges. She faces an additional two years in prison for aggravated identity theft, which must be served consecutively to any other prison term imposed. So she's in trouble. She is in trouble. So lessons learned. If you want to be a nurse, go to nursing school. Right. And then once you go to nursing school, don't break the law and lose your license and end up in jail because that's a lot of work and we need good nurses. We do need good nurses. Also don't steal somebody's identity either. I mean, that's just dirty. That's dirty. All right. Well, let's talk about some doctor crimes. Who are we going to talk about? Dr. Death? Are you reading my mind? (laughs) I'm not kidding. Really? Every time I think about this section, I think about Dr. Death. I know. That was a good podcast if you haven't listened to it. It was a good podcast. And I think they did a a TV series on like Lifetime or something. I didn't watch it. Did you watch it, Sunny? I watched the first 15 minutes and it was not nearly as good as the podcast. So I just don't watch anymore. Yeah. The podcast was like, wow. Yeah. Oh, and I listened to a podcast kind of going back to the nurse that was stealing the, um, the, uh, controlled substances that we talked about earlier, but we're not talking about Dr. Death, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know which way we want to look at that. <laughs> Regardless, that's all we're going to say about Dr. Death. Cause we're not that kind of podcast. No, Although that would be fine. not yet, but we, we have goals. <laughs> we do. They're lofty, but we can do it. Okay. So what is this one about? Oh my goodness. This one's bad. A doctor who owns multiple urgent care centers in St. Louis, Missouri was arrested on an indictment accusing him and his office manager of committing healthcare fraud. What were they doing? They were billing Medicare and Medicaid for services performed by multiple assistant physicians as if the primary doctor had provided those services, even though he was out of town or abroad. So he was vacationing and having assistant physicians see patients 
and billing as if he were seeing the patients. And he knew this was happening. So like yes. this was a plan. Yes. So this happened in Missouri in within this article, it says in order to legally provide medical services in Missouri, assistant physicians must be supervised by a physician under a collaborative practice arrangement or CPA that restricts the AP's ability to provide medical services and limits their practice areas to medically underserved rural or urban areas. So the doctor, supervising doctor, actually needed to be there. They need to be in the building. I'm not sure about every state law, but the state laws that I have looked into for different clients, um, everyone has said the physician needs to be in the building. Yes. So know your state law when it comes to something like this. But this was done intentionally. This was done intentionally, and at least 39 assistant physicians have worked at this company that had multiple locations. They didn't receive any training from their supervising physicians. I'm just reading this part where it says that he recruited, well, he and his office manager recruited physicians to sign up to supervise the APs, falsely telling them that they merely needed to sign blank, undated CPA verification forms to fulfill their roles. So he was recruiting other physicians, like, to sign off on these. Is that what I'm reading? Am I reading that right? That is correct. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that is crazy. Wow. Okay. Lesson here. Don't sign anything. You don't know what you're signing. Even if someone tells you that it's okay. Especially if it's blank. Never sign anything blank. The conspiracy charge and the false statements charge are each punishable by up to five years in prison, a $250,000 fine or both. But this one has not, I don't think this one has gone to trial yet. I don't think so. And of course, these are merely accusations and don't constitute proof of guilt. Innocent until proven guilty. Of course. Of course. Yeah, that one, that one's crazy. You're so devious. So devious. But yeah, so it was the doctor and the office manager who collabed on this one. So this doctor was having patients come into his clinic for unnecessary steroid injections so they could get their prescriptions. Like he actually was giving them those steroid injections and they didn't need it. Um, so he was sentenced to 84 months in federal prison after being convicted of over a dozen felony healthcare fraud charges. He billed federal health insurance programs for hundreds of medically unnecessary services, including unnecessary office visits and steroid injections. So bad. Again, I mean, Medicare, because this is the OIG, but um, Medicare beneficiaries and other patients, um, he had them come to his clinic as many as six times a month for these steroid injections. Oh, also, um, he, well, I should say the defendant. (laughs) But he was charged or he was sentenced. Um, He also altered progress visits. He also altered progress visit notes in his patient's medical records to justify higher billing rates. Mm. That's bad too. That is bad. All of these are so bad. 84 months. I did not do that math in my head until I read further down into this little article. And that is seven years in federal prison. (laughs) For defrauding Medicare. Oh my gosh. And injecting people with steroids they don't need. Okay. 
The defendant was charged in 2018 with 45 criminal violations, including 13 counts of health care fraud. He was convicted at trial of all charges except for nine counts of illegal distribution of illegal distribution of oxycodone. Yesterday's sentencing concerned only the health care fraud crimes charged in the indictment. Well, oh, he was also ordered to pay over $1 million in restitution and serve three years of unsuitable. Oh, excuse me, and served three years of supervised release. He was also, oh my God, let me start over. Ah. In addition to the seven years in prison, he was ordered to pay over $1 million. Okay, so in addition to the seven years in prison, he was ordered to pay over $1 million in restitution and served three years of supervised release. He was also fined $195,000 and must forfeit previously seized assets worth, approxim- worth approximately $900,000. Ooh, that guy's in deep. Uh, deep. Yeah. So, don't one do more. That. Can we do one more example? Let's do one more. Okay. Oh, I think this, this is, is, I haven't read this one. This is disability fraud. Ooh. Which I know goes on. There's probably a lot of disability fraud. You see people that are out of work and collecting disability and they're off at Disney world or whatever the case may be. Now, Sonny, I do have to say some disabilities are not visible. That is so true. That is very true. However, this lady, she was collecting disability and she was charged with 26 felony charges and found guilty on all of those for collecting disability she was an employee of Anheuser-Busch and she went to a local chiropractor that was involved with this scheme. Apparently this chiropractor was doing this for multiple people. He was making false statements and making reports that the patients couldn't lift things or stand or sit for extended periods of time. Um, said this lady paid $6,000 to this doctor for this report so she could get disability. So she used that disability to go on cruises and hikes and meanwhile telling her employer and the government that she couldn't walk or sit and she was in so much pain. Okay. I don't know if you see my face reading this whole thing while you're talking. I have not read this yet, but I just read what you're referring to. Mm-hmm. Where it says, all the while, according to court exhibits and testimony, she danced, hiked through waterfalls, rode roller coasters, went to wineries, drove long distances, and traveled domestically as well as internationally. Oh my gosh, the she danced and hiked through waterfalls was uh, <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. And then I read a little bit further down where it was saying that the chiropractor admitted to exaggerated exaggerating patients' medical conditions so they would fraudulently receive more than $3.5 million in disability. Yes. And then he was getting his cut. He coached them. Okay. He prepared the disability forms and coached them to lie about their ability to perform basic activities such as lifting, standing, walking, sitting, remembering, and taking care of their personal needs. Wow. He went all out. Mm-hmm. He enjoyed cruises, picturesque hikes, and other travel. I mean, it's not funny, but... Like, I'm so, okay. Okay. She's probably, she's probably posting the stuff on social media. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't even say that, 
But um, it sounds like they had evidence of these things. I don't know where they got the evidence. Well, they'll hire private detectives to follow people that are collecting disability and workers' comp to ensure that they are not committing fraud. Now, of course, they can't follow every single person that has claims, but maybe, I, I don't know how they determine, just random? Or maybe this doctor was seeing a lot of patients, which he was, that were collecting disability mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. he had his little scam going on. So maybe they started following all of them. So that might've been a red flag. Yeah. That might have alerted, um, who, who are we alerting for an investigation? <laughs> the government. <laughs> the government to prompt an investigation. The social oh. security administration. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Somebody's like, Oh, that's so weird. This doctor, I see their name on all these disability things. They sure do see a lot of disabled patients. Yes. Wow. That one is, wow. She's, she danced, hiked through waterfalls, rode roller coasters, went to wineries, drove living her best life. Gosh, for real. I mean, I want to do all those things too, but I'm not going to defraud defraud make a deal with somebody. I'm not going to do anything illegal to do that. Look, if I can't afford to travel internationally, guess what? I ain't traveling internationally. I'm going to stay right here. Well, that is all we have for today. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of Medical Related Crimes. This was a little detour from what we normally do, but still within our main goal of educating and sharing knowledge. While this was fun, remember, if you see something, say something. If you have any questions regarding compliance with billing, coding, or HIPAA, reach out to us at coaching at ams-nc.com. We offer customized workshops, on-site training, as well as billing, coding, auditing, and credentialing services. And don't forget, we love to hear from our listeners. And if you'd like to receive our monthly newsletter where we cover these topics, email us and we will add you to our list. We also throw in a fun poll question every month and you don't want to miss that. All references for today's episode, including our contact information, are listed in the show notes. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye.